let's move on to the defensive awards for the 2018 Tree League uh, season. How about defensive linemen? I'm going with, you know, uh, you know. I looked, like I said, I'll probably, I'm going to co this one up as well. I don't usually like doing co's, but I want to uh, make sure I get a couple guys acknowledged. So I'm going with um, two J. Sarah guys co up. Cole Aubrey at uh, defensive lineman of the year with his teammate, uh, defensive tackle, um, Seve Vito Logaleo, senior D tackle, big number 93. Uh, I was impressed with him again uh, in that modern day victory um, for the for the Braves. I thought he was a run stopper, physical force, made it hard for modern day to attack um, and run the ball, attack the middle. I thought he was taking on blockers, filling gaps, and then Aubrey's that rush guy that leads you know Bosco in in sacks with nine and a half. So those are how I went. Big ninety three, Vito Logaleo and Cole Aubrey. Uh, I I stayed with uh, Cole Aubrey. Um, you know his he has the league Trinity uh, league league three and a half sacks, um, and he's got fifty tackles. From it, from his uh, defensive line spots, which is kind of unheard of for being a lineman. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of tackles. So nine nine and a half sacks, right? Nine, and nine half. yeah, nine and a half sacks. And then and then I also you know honorable mention guys. You know Sean Nielsen. Um, yeah, know, he has his Good eight one. sacks. Um, you know Logan Schwenke for Santa Margarita had seven sacks. Um, he had two and a half. And then Keon. Um, where Hudson, you know, he had four and a half sacks and he had 10 tackles for loss, which was kind of the, the lead. Uh, that was the most for, um, for the linemen. Um, so, you know, those, those are some guys to, to, to but, but our, our pick or my pick is uh, Cole Aubrey. Okay. All right, Sky, let's move on to linebacker. You know, uh, I, like I said, I went with court Williams as my defensive player of the year, one of the linebackers. So for my linebacker spot, I went with uh, Raylan uh, uh, Go Goforth at outside linebacker, the senior number ten, uh, six foot two, two twenty six. He was my top linebacker of the year. What did you have as far as your uh, your pick? Yeah, we kind of flipped it. Okay. Then I went with I went with Court Williams. All right, um, all right. So it was kind of like we were right there. We just there's just a. Uh, uh, I think we could we can't go wrong with either one of those no. picks. Um, you know, it was a strong year for linebackers though, because I probably my next guy probably after that would be Jalen Genova, um, and then Steel Steel Dubar and Moses Cepalona, and then Victor Clanton. You know, and all of them all nice ones, all, yeah. All have um, lead their teams uh, with tackles and and are are their catalyst on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it was end up being a really good year for linebackers. I mean. The Orange Lutheran tandem is is you know of Brogdon and 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 Jackson Cloyd. I mean that, those are two one good ones too. And that they they made a lot of tackles and they didn't maybe have a lot of support in those teams. But I got some work to do uh, myself and Steve Fryer working on this all county football team. There's gonna be a lot of linebackers and we'll see. They'll be you know working on this. Uh, you know the coaches are gonna have some work to do on the Trina League linebackers as well. There'll be some yeah, good guys are. that might be uh, but might be left off. All right, let's move to our final award, which is our defensive backs, uh, defensive back of the year. I just gave away my my thoughts. I code up this one as well, and I went with modern day's Elias Ricks, and I went with Chris Steele, um, number one for St. John Bosco, 
Um, two cornerbacks, two corners, lockdown type guys. Elias, consistent play. I think he's at five interceptions. He had a great year. Excited to see him in the playoffs. He's only a junior. Chris Steele, senior, committed to USC. I'll give him the credit for stepping up and doing his best against Brew McCoy and did have some success in slightly slowing down Brew. You're not going to completely shut him down, but he made some plays. He, I think it's more that there was a senior leader willing to take on Brew and that sent a good message to his team, fired up his team. He played well. They didn't. He didn't. You know, they didn't give up huge, uh, big, long touchdowns to McCoy. McCoy did get one. Uh, the shorter variety had a productive game, but uh, Brew did start to. Uh, you know, they didn't. Brew didn't go crazy on him, and that's all. That and, and, and you know, for Chris Steele, that was a good effort. So those are my two guys in the secondary. What do you have, Scotty? Uh, a little different than you. Um, well, I went with one, and I went with Elias. Um, you know, the DBs is interesting because, you know, a lot of them played, had good coverage, but they didn't get a lot of the limelight. You know, I mean, Elias did have the five picks and he did cover. Nobody ever caught anything on Elias. And I think for his play, because he was steady all year long, he wasn't like, it wasn't like he never made that like spectacular play he was just always in the right spot in the right time and he you know he didn't give up any yards he did you know he was the lockdown corner everyone who played against him he either you know they had very little catches for very little yardage um you know he didn't have 20 tackles so for that i went with him um i didn't you know steal you know he did he did a wonderful job on brew that's the only db that's probably done anything on brew but I would have liked to see more of Steele um, consistency this year. I don't think he had that this year. Um, um, he's still like a you know great talent, but I just didn't see him enough of that all along to give to warrant him that that you know spot. You know, McDuffie was another one who I thought actually him and actually Toller actually. Um, and you know, Toller had the four picks. He's much like Elias, where he had, you know, a lot of his picks were kind of. He's just in the right spot, the right time, you know. And I think McDuffie, from a technical standpoint, um, played pretty well. He just didn't have the stats to back it up. So, but I, I with this one. All right. Well, fair enough, Scott. It's good sometimes that we uh, we disagree. And yeah, I mean, Chris Steele was a guy that we were wondering where is this guy most of the year. We didn't really talking about him in the non-league season. But, you know, that was kind of typical of what Bosco did. They they sprung up at that right moment. Chris Steele was there at the right moment. And we'll see how it all plays out. But I have no problem giving it to Steele based on, on that effort. Like you said, nobody else um, did, uh, you know, was able to step up to brew. And I think, you know, Titus Toller played well. McDuffie played well. And, I, and then Darion Green Definitely came on for modern day um, at the end. And we mentioned, you know, Calvin Musset is that, you know, is he a kind of a linebacker slash safety? He was, you know, he had a big year. Probably, I don't know if he'll probably be someplace at a, on a defensive back. I don't know where he, you know, where exactly he's going to fall. Is he a linebacker or DB? Do you, I view him more of as a safety. What do you think? Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. He's that hybrid. Well, he's going to go to Davis, so I think he could probably play that same um, 
you know, that hybrid where it's a, it's a between a backer and a line, you know, strong safety. Um, but I, 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 you know, he would probably, you know, him and Darion would probably be my next two guys that would be in, 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 um, in this award as well for, you know, Darion, you know, came on strong in the, the last few games of, uh, with this, you know, three interceptions. Yes. All right, Scott. Now, before we get to our previews for the first round of the division one playoffs, and I'm going to, I'm going to hold you down to a prediction for who actually is going to win Division One, I I put mine out there, but I want to ask you yours. But before we get to that, let's briefly hit the uh, a final word on the the, the very competitive Trinity League freshman level. Um, won by Modern Day, there was that 28-27 victory um, by the Monarchs over St. John Bosco that ended up being the difference. I mentioned how uh, Bosco defeated... Um, Servite this past week to take second. I believe the Friars were third. If you don't think these these scores matters, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, is that as I was talking post game after modern after the modern day Bosco uh, showdown at the Bull, and I'm talking to Coach Negro, and we're going over all kinds of things to talk about of that of the game. DJ the defense, non league schedules, what it all means. The Braves' record, you know, Negro's record against Modern Day. But I'm kind of wrapping it up with Coach Negro. And he mentions to me, he thanks me for my tweet about the uh, the freshman scores that I posted earlier in the week, which I got, thankfully, from Mr. Scott Barajas. But it just shows you that Coach Negro, there, he he's, you know, he's, He's kind of giving me a hard time for bringing up some a loss and jokingly we was all it was all in all good humor uh, and I didn't even and I'm I'm honored that Coach Negro is even following my tweets, <laughs> but it shows that you know good coaches like Coach Negro, which he is, they are concerned about all the levels. They're watching all these games, development of these players. Something that Bosco does a good job, Modern Day does a good job. Successful programs pay attention to the freshman games. They don't dismiss this stuff as. And we don't matter. And only the varsity matters. And that's how you build a successful program. That's how you retain players and get people excited about the future. But so it's not crazy that Scotty and I have talked about it this year. What's your final thoughts on the league uh, freshman wise, Scotty? Yeah. So I'll just add the, um, I have the, uh, the standings um, that I'll toss out because you pretty much, you, you know, you know, kind of said the, you know, the gist of it. Modern Day did go five and zero in the league. They only played eight games, um, based off of because they didn't play the IMG game, and then they played their own their own um, JV team. So if they don't, you know, as far as freshman versus freshman, they really had eight games. Bosco was nine and one, four and one in league. Servite eight and two, three and two in league. J Sarah six and four, two and three in league. Olu five and five. One and four in league, and then Santa Margarita was five and zero, oh, and they went zero oh and five in league. So um, that's what it, that's that's how the freshman group looked. Um, and we've talked about some of the uh, you know some of the kids who we'll probably be seeing uh, right. next year. Um, and you know it's it, you know and a lot's going to change. I mean it, I mean you know with this day and age as we talk about kids leave or they don't you know there's you know like a lot of like kids want to play now or right away so we'll just have to keep a, an eye on to see um if these you know if these kids you know stick with with their schools and um and um contribute to the, to to you know 
to the varsity or even JBs next year. So, well, you know, and and just and I I appreciate uh, all your insight on this uh, this year, Scotty, and your your hard work digging up some of this information. You just ran ran off the standings for us. Thank you very much. If I had to mention three freshmen, I think were the three best freshmen, and these guys didn't necessarily really. Uh, oh, they weren't exclusively freshman players, basically. But probably the number one freshman in the Trinity League, I would go with Josh Hunter from Modern Day. And then the maybe the number two guy, I might go with Teo, the linebacker at Jay Sarah, who, you know, for a freshman, he pretty much all played varsity and had a very productive year as a kind of a starter for them and a lot of tackles as a, a true freshman. He has an Arizona State offer, um, who is, and he is related to Mante. Monte uh, Teo, the former uh, Notre Dame star. And then the third guy I would go with with Damani Jackson. But those are my big three, all pure freshmen. Any uh, qualms on those, Scotty? Or maybe reverse the order or you throw out somebody else? No, those are pretty good. Um, exactly. I probably have the, I would have the same same picks as, as you. Um, and, I, you know, I'll add... Um, you know, I'll add two more to the mix. I mean, I mean, C.J. Williams, the modern-day receiver, which we didn't get to see a whole lot of, of him, but him and what he did on the on the freshman level um, with Hunter was pretty impressive. They actually, you know, C.J. actually dominated on on that freshman level more so. I think playing defense than offense, and but I think you're going to see him as an offensive player with modern day, but. Um, I don't know if he'll be a two-way guy, but he he was pretty impressive. It just it, it didn't he didn't wasn't needed as much on the varsity level, you know, as as he was, you know, um, you know, as he did on the freshman team. And then we have you know Noah Fafita, who is was was oh, yeah. to every sure. everything. So you gotta add him. I'd add him after after um, C.J. Williams. Good pick. Yeah. Um, and you know, Modern Day also has a running back um, by the name of, of uh, Quincy Craig, um, who was probably their next best player. Um, and he actually won. He was probably the reason why Bosco they beat Bosco. Uh, he's probably single-handedly won that game against Bosco um, for the, his his performance. As as Josh was probably single-handedly won the game against Servite. Right. Um, I know sometimes you know it, it, all it takes is one big time player to, to to win those games and and it'll be interesting to see where where Quincy ends up. Um, you know he's kind of a dynamic scat back, um, you know athlete. You know I don't know you know there's a lot of defensive guys over on the ball, but for offensive wise, you know he's he's kind of you know he's got to get a little bit bigger I think to be to take the pounding. Though I know Hunt you know Hunter you know isn't that big, but but. You know he plays primarily more defense um, than he does offense, but that's another name to, to, to throw out there. And then um, for and then obviously T Mac for Servite, he broke his collarbone, but I think you'll hear a lot from him for um, from for Servite wise. Um, so I'm trying to think of who else. Um, Bosco's got a couple of D uh, offense, defensive offense and defensive linemen. I and I don't have names um and i wish i did um but um one of them is he's he's i just know he's number 71 for bosco right. and i've heard other people talk about him but i think he's going to be they they kind of compared him to like the next wyatt davis um 
you know, Moscow's, you know, Mr. Everything offensive yeah. line that they had for the last three years. They said he's kind of in that echelon of talent. So that's going to be huge. So I'd probably look for him um, next year. And there was another, there was another off defense alignment too that they had. But, um, you know, Moscow's stacked with under, under uh, underclassmen talent as well. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys break into the in, in, into those lineups next year. But Well, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to see Coach Jason Negro of the Braves at the CIF, the annual CIF luncheon, before the uh, that introduces the teams playing in the C- section championships. And at that luncheon, there's usually a little chat afterwards, and I will ask Coach Negro, he'll get a kick out of it. Right. There'll be all this talk about the Braves against modern day, is my prediction. And I'll say, hey, Coach, tell me about number 71 on your freshman team. And he's going to smile at me. And see if he's been listening to the Trinity League Football Podcast. <laughs> right on, right on, Coach. <laughs> and he's going to say, you guys are crazy on that yeah. show. And you know what? It's a good kind of crazy because, uh, like Scotty's been saying, I agree with him. We, we've, we, have, we have dived deeper this year. Scotty, so let's get to the uh, playoffs real quick here. So starting at the top of that bracket, Bosco's the number one seed. They open against those uh, said Sarah... Um, uh, from the Mission League, the at-large team. You know, you look at the top part of that bracket, and, and you know, Bosco being the number one seed, um, they're going to take on. Um, they're going to. I think they're going to easily win that game. Then they're going to um, take on either San Clemente or Murrieta Valley in the quarterfinals. They're going to have no problem with that game. But don't just say that they're going to cruise right into the the semifinals because I don't think they'd be too thrilled to see Jay Sarah again in the semis after the first tight game. What do you think of uh brave Sarah and the Braves in general? Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of crazy because when the pairings came out, um, I, I know, you know, I have a buddy that we always talk about, about the, you know, the CIF brackets and how their policy is and how they ended up picking the teams and there's a formula and I know sometimes they can break the formula and they broke it here because I think Jay Sarah should have been on modern day side with try you know to see Centennial rather than Bosco so what they chose to do is they chose to decide to um, keep Jay Sarah as that fifth ranked team rather than Amat and that's where it, it differed and that's how they got on that that's how they ended up keeping a mot on modern day and centennial side and then putting Jay Sarah because they chose that they were the higher ranked team, even though they, they were the third place Trinity league team. Um, as far as, uh, we're talking Jay Sarah. So, um, like how I kind of jumped around a bit. Okay. Um, but, um, as far as, you know, just talking about this Sarah and St. John Bosco game, you know, this would have been a good one, even if, if it was at the beginning of the year. You know, somehow, you know, Sarah, you know, it's just kind of falling apart. Um, I think it's because of injuries has taken its toll on, on Sarah. I think, you know, when you see some of the scores of their games, it has you kind of shaking your head. Like last week, they squeaked by Loyola 21-14, and Loyola had one, lost eight straight right. before that. Um, you know, they lose to a reeling Chaminade team who was – you know, 45, 28 and Chaminade couldn't stop anybody. Um, then they come and they beat a surging Alamany team the following week. Um, where that one came from, nobody knows. Yeah. Um, so it's certain, you know, Sarah has the athletes, you know, to match up with Bosco, but I don't think they have the fronts to do, to, to sustain it. 
quarterback Doug Brumfield is this you know second in Division One with pat in passing yards. He's passed for almost three thousand yards. Um, he's thrown twenty touchdowns, but he's been picked off eleven times. Sixty-one percent. LV Bunkley seems to be his primary target. He's leading Sarah with seventy-five receptions for nine hundred fifty-three yards. Um, but he only averages 12 yards per catch and he only has four touchdowns. You know, Justin Lockett seems to be their big play of guy of late. Um, he has the eight touchdowns, you know, question is going to be how long Sarah stays with them before Bosco pulls away. But, you know, Bosco's kind of rolling everybody since you know, that empty win and, you know, they're going to go on to the second round. So, yes. All right, Scotty. So good insight on Sarah. Um, I didn't know some of those, they had a couple playmakers, like you said, We'll see how long the uh, can, they can stick with the Braves. This game is a 7 o'clock kickoff at St. John Bosco. Again, this game on Friday, November uh, 2nd. Don't forget, the Boscos have a they have a new stadium on campus. That's where they play their games now. Let's move on down. So for the second straight year, Scotty, um, CIF apparently likes some rematches. So Jay Sarah, for the second straight year, go is going to Veterans Stadium in the first round of the Division I playoffs. And they're taking on none other than Long Beach Poly and first-year coach Stephen uh, Barbie, who has uh, actually got some San Juan ties. He's a former coach um, at St. Margaret's, which is right down the street, right across the freeway, basically, from the J. Sarah campus. So, and there's even uh, one, there's one defensive lineman uh, who plays, uh, who transferred from the uh, Jackrabbits, to um, to uh, Jay Sarah, but I th- I think and so last year in a shootout it was about sixty to forty four some crazy score like that. Long Beach Poly pulled off the upset, uh, or not the upset, but pulled off the victory. That you know, but I think Jay Sarah is going to win this game at Vets um, on Friday night. I think Jay Sarah is more disciplined this year. They are running the ball better with Chris Street. Um, they're a little. They're more sound, even though they, you know, uh, you know, even though they gave up some rushing yards last, you know, as we mentioned earlier to Santa Margarita uh, last last week. But I think Jay Sarah is going to get revenge in this rematch and get to the the quarterfinals, where I think they will take on Oaks Christian. But uh, what do you, what's your take on this game on Friday? Uh, a rematch, Scotty. Yeah, it is a rematch, uh, but this one will be much different than last year. Um, I think Polly bested them last year in that shootout, but, you know, I don't think they have the firepower this time around. You know, since the Jackrabbits 29-25 to 25 lost to Sarah, they've won six straight, which none were close, you know, as they didn't allow anyone to score more than 15 points in that stretch, and they posted four shutouts. But that's the more league for you, so, I mean, not much competition. Right. Um, but this isn't the same Long Beach Poly of the past or even last year. So, you know, Jay Sarah plays their game. I, I you know, I think they're going to control the line of scrimmage and, you know, they're just, they'll move on to the, the second round. And that's where they, they could uh, run up against an 11 and 0 Oaks Christian, which opens up, you know, at home against Chaminade. So that could be quite an intriguing uh, matchup. You know, a Jay Sarah team that's really um, battle tested out of the Trinity League that, you know, played. You know, Bosco tough, didn't play modern day tough, but played a great non-league schedule um, against uh, Oaks Christian. That could be a really good game to see who gets to the semifinals. So let's uh, let's talk about the Monarchs. Opening on the road at Valencia of Valencia on Friday night, 
So that's going to be a big road trip uh, out toward the Magic Mountain area. That's a 7 o'clock um, game. Valencia has an on-campus uh, stadium. So Valencia, uh, the Vikings, were the Division II narrow, narrowly uh, Division II runners-up last season. Uh, they lost to a, by a single point to Oaks Christian, 21-20, to I believe it was. But they're not as strong as they were um, a year ago. This year they're 7-3. and three. Got bumped into Division One, and it's quite of a quite a promotion uh, in you know in, enjoying Modern Day. But I'm expecting Modern Day uh, to win this game uh, pretty handily and get into the second round, where I expect them to see Mission Viejo, and that game will be at Mission Viejo once again, just a round earlier than it was last year, where the teams played in the semis. But I think they're gonna I think the Diablos are somehow gonna win a very close game at Amont, but it could be. Modern Day Amont number two, which again I think would be, um, you know, I, I think Modern Day will beat uh, either team they see in the second round. I'm predicting they get to the finals, but what do you think about this Modern Day game against Valencia? Yeah, I mean, I saw that tweet that Friar had mentioned earlier. You know, win your league and you get number three seeded yes. Trinity Foam Modern Day. Um, you know, Valencia. You know, uh, you know, they, like you said, they're Division One, Division Two team. What come moving up to Division One? And what do we say about all these former schools that have have played, you know, are not used to playing Division One, and they don't realize how tough and physical and different right. it is. So, and I don't know Valencia. Had, I, I I can't recall the last time they played even a Division One team. So to, to you know come on and take a modern day team on is crazy. Um, but Valencia players don't seem to be phased by it because I think there's been a couple of Twitter posts out there okay. that they want to take on modern day and they want to be the the first you know the team to send them all modern day home and they believe in their team and they want to shock the world and you know more power to them but um you know uh they're not gonna it seems like they're not gonna back down from from the monarchs so um you know since they're lost to calabasas five games ago they were at they're averaging 42 points a game um they seem to have a balanced offense they've rushed for almost 2,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, and they passed for almost 1,900 yards passing and 15 touchdowns. Um, they go by rushing by committee. At least three of their leading rushers have at least 60 carries, and they have a short-yarded back who's six foot, 225 pounds, uh, Lurig Palali, and he, kinda, he leads their team in rushing TDs. Um, and then, uh, you know, Jake Santos... 624 yards uh, receiving yards and eight TDs is their top receiver. Um, you know, their defense has given up 11 points per game in the last five games. Um, they've given up 18 points per game on the season. And um, their three losses are, are to Calabasas, Arbor View of Nevada, and Sierra Canyon. But like you had said, I think, you know, modern day you know, um, wins this one and moves on to the second round. Yeah. You know, interesting. You mentioned their Division One uh, resume. The, in 2016, the uh, the Vikings play on the road at Chaminade, lost 42 to uh, 15. Chaminade Division One team um, out of the Mission League, as we all all know. So that was the last time they really played a Southern Section um, Division One team. I think Valencia is better on, on uh, at home, but I and I um, so I think that will you know give them some you know. Um, you know, something to hold their hat on in this game that I'm expecting Modern Day to 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 win. 
um, pretty convincingly. Um, in that 2016 season, they came down to San Clemente and lost a Division II semifinal at San Clemente, 41-35. Their coach, Larry Murr, is is, is excellent. And I've uh, I've been up there a uh, couple years ago. So they have some pretty tight confines. Um, they have a good fan base. But he, and he's, and he follows Orange County football well. I believe he's got some ties to the uh, or to Mission Viejo, so he's kind of he's got some Orange County ties. Uh, I think he he's pretty sure he used to coach at um, Mission Viejo. The last time I went up there was on a on a pretty cold night, 2015. I saw San Juan Hills and a quarterback Patrick O'Brien, who I want to see, was a Nebraska commit at the time, and um, San Juan Hills went up there and got the win. Uh, 38, no, sorry, I'm sorry, Valencia won 38-28 in that game. Uh, that again, so that's, they, they've really been division two for, for quite a, quite a number of years, I think, um, out of that, uh, Foothill League. Uh, interesting. I, I, I knew that if they've been, you know, pretty successful and I know they're one of those programs, you know, the past few years, I said, they're, they, they're going to have to make that jump to division one because they've just been, you know, winning. And I know they've had some big time, you know, receivers and, and some skill guys come out of that out of that team. But this year is the first year that they don't really have yeah. that. So Exactly. And I think the score they actually lost to last year was twenty to nineteen against Oaks Christian in the division two final. And our last game to preview Scotty into into the bottom of the bracket. So Orange Lutheran, the fourth place team out of the Trina League at large, gets another rematch against uh, Centennial Corona. The Huskies are the number two seed, and they're also 10-0, Orange Lutheran 5-5. So this time, Orange Lutheran has to play them again, and now they don't have Kyle Ford, who they haven't had for several games now, is out uh, for the season with the injury. This was an interesting game, and one of the you know the first time they team, they played, because Orange Lutheran was right there with them at halftime. And... And that that was revealing on how maybe how strong is this um, centennial team? Um, I think the final score was forty five twenty eight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they really pulled uh, pulled away in the second half, and I think that the fact that it was so close at, at halftime made me wonder how, you know. And I think other fans probably wondered how good is Centennial or, um, or how good is Orange Lutheran. And I thought that was a promising, you know, pretty promising game for for Lutheran to be pretty close. Um, I remember watching this game. That was the same weekend that Modern Day was playing in uh, Nevada, I believe, against Bishop Borman. I think it was. I think that's where I ended up watching that game on TV. Um, if you, if you, maybe you'll remember a few things. But what do you, what do you think about this game, Scotty? Yeah, that, you know that's what's crazy because this is the last time Olu played the uh, the last game. Let's see, the last. The last game that they played that was competitive was against Olu. Yeah. And that's that's crazy when you look at that. When you look at their schedule and you see, you know, and they and they and they played you know you know, the big eight, is that what they call it, where Centennial's from? They, that yeah, Big was, Eight League was, and yeah. yeah. Was and that was pretty August twenty fourth. That was the same weekend as the modern day Gorman. Yeah, that that's a that league, you know, was a week you know, weak league. I mean, they 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 outscored their opponents four hundred and eighty three to fifty seven since that Olu game. 
Um, they've been averaging 60 to 7 um, scores in, in, in the league. And then this last week, they played Roosevelt and um, put up 84 points. But, I mean, it was just like it was 42 points. You know, you know, I, I couldn't imagine. I'm like, this is not the same centennial team with, with, with J.J. Taylor. And, you know, that was just a machine and it was so fast. I mean, you know, these guys are still good, but they just haven't shown that same centennial power um, and they haven't played anybody. I mean, so, so you, you're looking at, you know, Olu is the, was the last team, and that was 45-28, and that was their most challenging game. Since then, they haven't had a challenging game. Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, are caught up in the centennial, you know, aura. Um, and, you know, if you look at even, you know, I don't, I don't like to, you know, put a whole lot of emphasis on stats, but you look at the stats, and they don't their stats don't jump out at you either. Yeah, their, right. their yards their yards per average on their running backs are both of them are like 5.5. Um, their passing yards, both quarterbacks, uh, Akali, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Ali McCauley. Um, he's, he's like, I think 1200 yards passing. I think Carter Freeland's about 1300 yards passing. Um, they're both, uh, Carter has like, I think 12 touchdowns, I think three, four picks. I think uh, Ali's kind of got, I think 11 touchdowns or, three picks, something like that. And they're both identical, though Ali's the better runner of the two. Um, the, Gary Bryant's probably the most dynamic guy on that field. Um, he can take the he can take the ball and go the distance at any time, so that's going to be um, key. But the key to Centennial is their defense. Um, their defense flies around, and it's – I mean, they got the front four that's probably um, – I mean, just by looking at them, you know, they're, they're, they're huge, and um, they probably have that best front four – um, and it's probably, I don't know, it's, it'll probably get some, some flack here, but it rivals, or if not, better than Bosco's. But the only thing is, is you just haven't, they just haven't played an offense, an offensive team that they can say, you know, that, that that's how good they are. Um, because they, you know, they're huge up, up front with uh, um, Drake Jackson and um, Foreman. And um, I think they got a couple of good linebackers. Um but uh, it, it, you know, that's that's what's going to keep Centennial in these games is that their defense is actually pretty good. So it, you know, they don't need that offense that's just going to be like a machine. Um, yeah. But uh, they will expose people if 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 you know and and make you pay um, because they have you know the, the the skills and that's what happened in the last two you know the, in these last games. I mean, court teams were were down and they were just chucking the ball up and Centennial was picking it and taking pick six to the houses. And then, you know, they would score. So they'd be 42 zero up in the first quarter. Uh, I mean, I know I'm, I'm rambling here, but um, pretty much, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, um, you know, because I don't think no one's going to test Centennial until, until that semifinal match. So I agree. I mean, the Huskies are ridiculous offensively. I mean, the last two weeks they've scored 80 points. Yeah. Um, you know, one game I just digging a pretty deep on their schedule you know, after they beat Orange Lutheran, which was 45-28, they played the following week. Um, they went on, um, they were they were home again, um, and they played uh, Pittsburgh, and they won um, 35-7. That ended up kind of being impressive because this Pittsburgh team from uh, Northern California, um, you know, they, they are the same team that played later in the year, just a couple weeks ago, played Liberty of um, 
Brentwood up in Northern California Bay Valley League team and lost 24-21. And I've seen that Liberty uh, Brentwood team kind of uh, getting some hype uh, as far as NorCal bowls and, and teams to watch out of NorCal because they're 10-0. and So that that was another a win to, to point to um, as a quality win for Centennial. Maybe I haven't given them enough credit for that. I mentioned their Chandler victory. You know, thirty-five uh, to thirteen. They're in Chandler's Arizona's nine and one. Um, they beat Norco twenty-eight nothing. Um, but yeah, they had three shutouts in a row in the Big Eight, and then uh, and then last week beat Roosevelt, who's not as strong as they were last year, um, eighty-four to fourteen. But I think um, it's going to be uh, Centennial winning, and then it's going to go to uh, then they'll play. In the second round, they're going to play either Vista Marietta or Rancho Cucamonga, which is a pretty interesting uh, game in Division One. I. I think that could be a pretty competitive game. But those uh, it, those Inland Empire teams aren't going to slow the Huskies, and the Huskies are going to be in the semifinals, and it should be Huskies and Modern Day. And I'm sure for Centennial's uh, point of view, they're thrilled they just don't have to see St. John Bosco this year in the semis. Uh, yeah, that. You know, but I know, you know, if you talk to Logan, Logan probably say it doesn't really matter because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a tr- still Trinity League and you st- it's still modern, you know, it's modern day if it's not Bosco, even though I know Bob, you know, you could say, you know, modern yeah. days is, you know, um, I wouldn't say really, but, but, you know, they have, they're not as, you know, not as sh- strong as Bosco on, on paper if you will, just based off of that one game, but it's, you know, all that goes out to the door because it's still modern day. So I, I, you know, for them, they have to go through the, through that Trinity league team anyways, where it's just, it's a different. Yeah. Well, the, the past two years, um, the Braves had defeated um, Centennial in the, in the semifinals. That's why I bring that up. It was actually not since 2015, there was a semifinal at Santa Ana Stadium, and Centennial did beat Modern Day that year. Last time they did play in the in the semifinals, and it was forty two thirty six. And then the uh, with all that momentum uh, off that win, I think Centennial went into Angel Stadium and they won forty two to uh, fifty two. I'm uh, sorry, sixty two fifty two against Bosco in the Division One final that year, two thousand fifteen. That was last time Centennial won Division One. Uh, back then known as the Pac-5 division. So, Scotty, how do you see... What's your prediction? I've I've been on record. I think Bosco's going to win the D1 championship this year because I, I the way I see it is that I don't think... I think Bosco played off the charts well in that first game against Modern Day this year. I don't think they can play exactly that strong again. They can't really replicate that. But I think they can they can get close enough to win the game because I think the biggest weakness I see in the matchup is that I don't think I don't know how Modern Day is going to put pressure on DJ, and if he has time and he has, he's just they're just too um, he's too talented and, and too in sync has too much support with the ground game multiple receivers they've done some good things with the scheme wise. I, I don't see how Modern Day can withstand um, having to try to go toe to toe with DJ like that, and it's not like the Bosco defense isn't isn't uh, got a lot lot to say about it. So that's my prediction. What do you say, Scotty? Uh, I'll stick with maybe what I had 
in the beginning of the year. I know I didn't let anybody know or let you guys know, but in the beginning of the year, a lot of us were saying that Modern Day and Bosco were going to split this year. So whoever won league wasn't going to win the championship. Wow. And so, but it was like, but it was like flip the coin. We didn't say who, we didn't say, if, you know, we, you know, and honestly, I thought it was going to be Modern Day. I would say Modern Day was going to win league and then Bosco to win the championship. Now, if I still stay with my, my conventional thinking on that, Modern Day would win this championship. Um, you know, it, it, I think what happens is a healthy Modern Day team wins it. Uh, I'm gonna, I will say that. I think wow. they come they get it back. But right now, can they get that back? Because they are not healthy. Um, it's it's no secret. Um, to, you know, Miles, I think that's, like you say, pass rush. I don't think it's that. I think there was more. there were more mental breakdowns in the secondary um, that hurt modern day. Okay. Um, then, 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 you know, than anything else. Um, and that was, I think that was part of the difference. So I think you take that and you, you take that away. Yes. You're going to have to get some pass rush, but I think they're going to have more issues with the offense, um, with the offensive line because Bryce cannot sit back and, you know, run around and try to make things happen because they're secondary and Bosco has too much speed. Um, if they can solve that, then that's great. But that's what's that's what's looming, and then we have a long ways to go because you know modern day can't nobody else can get hurt on that offensive line, <laughs> um, and um, that's what's gonna you know hinder them. Um, it's you know it's gonna have to be next man up. But then but as, you know as far as when we talk about prognostications and things down the road, um, these are the things that come into play. So. That's my take. Is is that I think a healthy modern day team will win it, but if they're not healthy and it takes, you know, then it's either going to be Bosco. So, so I'm putting you on the spot, Scotty. It sounds like you just picked modern day to beat Centennial and Bosco and be the Division One champ for 2018. If I, if healthy, I, you know, you, I can't I can't put that until <laughs> you know, like you guys do it, um, because <laughs> to me, there's I I just end up breaking it all down week by week yeah um but you but say guess, if modern day if healthy so they pretty much they have to have what they have right now get nemo and uh william nemo and cody epps back and everybody else get back who might need to get back and you pick the monarchs yes but that's right. but right now they are not so that's like i said that's gonna take a <laughs> it's it, it'll we will have to wait and see because these games take a toll. We got to get three games out of the way for that to, to get down to, you know, and that, that's a long ways to even talk about that. So, cause I, you know, even if they're not, if, if there's still guys that are hurt, we've known, cause look what Olu, Olu was ravaged by injuries and that, you know, who knows what they would have been like if they would have been healthy. So, exactly. um, you know, and, and, and not having miles is, is huge and you know there's you know a couple other guys that have been have been dinged up and if you know those guys are aren't able to go they have to reshuffle the deck and you know even even that first time with that starting lineup when the modern day had was gave you know was was tough on on you know modern day they made bryce and them work hard you know how many times they had to so i know it's the matchups within the game and the game within the game so i think you know you know, it'll be fun down the line if we can keep, you know, like we said, we'll ask everybody if, if we do a podcast down the way and we can do a matchup, whether it's modern day or Bosco or even Centennial and, and Bosco. But All right. Well, Scotty Barajas, full of surprises tonight. I didn't expect <laughs> you to, to say that one. 
But uh, you've had some uh, excellent insight uh, all season long once again, uh, Scotty. So like uh, Scott said, we could be back if it's uh, on uh, with another uh, encore presentation of the Trinity League Football Podcast. That might be coming your way in the, uh, you know, by least it could be uh, available November 20th in the morning if it's a modern day uh, Bosco final. You could see us back. Uh, maybe some other things happen, but um, that will be it for us. Uh, this could be it for uh, this year. So we want to thank you uh, sincerely for listening to uh, a couple of guys talk a lot of Trinity League football, break it all down, grade it all, um, procrastinate, and uh, dive deep. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all you guys listening. Scotty, very much appreciated uh, and enjoyed talking with you once again this year. Oh, as always, Dan, uh, you know, I just hope everybody, uh, likes what we put out. You know, I know, I, I know I ramble a lot, but, um, it's, it's all, it's all good. You know, it's all good, uh, to get a, this all information out to everybody. So, well, and I have it on good authority, Scotty, that people like listening to your rambling and all I, right. and I know I ramble as well because we're a couple of passionate guys about the high school football. And I know we're going to enjoy ourselves as the, uh, D one playoffs, uh, begin, I know you will be at the modern day game against um, Valencia. You'll be taking the, the road trip, leaving early for Valencia, right? Uh, yes, Dan. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll have all that, you know, all the reports for everybody on that one and, and uh, all the tidbits for you as well. Yes. If we get back into it, we will have some of those things. Uh, and then, um, and I'm going to be in division one. I'm going to be at, down in San Clemente on Friday watching San Clemente, uh, in, a, in a rematch as well against Murrieta Valley. So you can follow all our coverage uh, with uh, on OC Varsity, and I'm on Twitter on OC Varsity Guy. And you can um, you know, spread the word, and you can definitely follow our coverage. And if you see that Trinity League showdown coming up, and there's a there's a bunch of excitement building, and there's, there, there's talk about modern day Bosco in a third straight Division One final, don't forget about your friends on the Trinity League uh, podcast that week. Because there's a good chance we'll, we will be back. So for Scott Barajas, I'm Dan Albano. Thanks again for joining us on the Trina League Football Podcast. <laughs>